Hello, welcome to the Ox Unplugged, where we search for the truth by talking about weird shit. I'm Crispy Kraut. I am Mr. Jaywit. And I am Helion. So today, um, we will be talking about aliens. Hey, Lamau. I'd like to start off talking about uh, some other things. So, does anyone know about any deep sea animals? At the bottom of the ocean, at the bottom of the world, with crushing pressures, that no one assumed any living thing would ever exist there. We see animals there. There are fish. Kind of like the uh, like the glob fish? Yeah, the blobfish, he lives somewhat further north, but there are deeply terrifying things. There is a squid with, I believe it's somewhere in the range of five meter long tentacles that just has a squid head and these long wispy things that just sit there silently and just wait. Anything that touches it, it grabs and pulls and eats. Is this Lovecraft we're talking about, or is this actual deep-sea life? Actual deep-sea life. I can send you a picture. I want to see that, because I like seeing weird shit. Um, the only thing I can think of that's like that is, I think it's like a sea dragon or something. It's like some eel-looking creature that's really cursed, but... It's the big, thin squid. Here, I will send a picture of it. That is that is not what I'm yeah. referring to, but yeah, let me see this. Almost, almost looks like a... Uh... Like a giant, long, long-legged spider. Yes. Um, oh, God. It's terrifying. That's, yeah, I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah, uh, and they are just around. Um, they're just a thing that at the bottom of the ocean. When we look at the volcanic vents at the bottom of the ocean where there's no oxygen, we can see bacteria and other small microbiomes just there as well. And they evolve anaerobically without oxygen we see that with volcanoes as well we can see tiny tiny bits of life where there should not be life according to what we think of it's interesting that we keep finding examples of life and they keep redefining what we consider yes. living creatures yeah viruses are officially technically not alive technically but they sure have reactions that cause to a layperson say that thing is alive and as things evolve in large unknown environments they evolve in extremely strange ways yes and that is how i'd like to point that out to aliens because do you know what you don't see at the bottom of the ocean humans with gills no fuck that shit Humans with just th fish that look like humans, but just with slightly different spots. Yeah, not mermaids. They're weird, fucked up things that you go, how is that alive? Also, why is it killing me? Yeah. Why is it speaking eldritch tongues? The, the whole thing about the word alien means something completely foreign. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I hate the all the sci-fi stuff where it's just humans without... Humans just with different hats on. Oh, so we're just I, pulling the bandit off right away because I was going to oh, yeah. wait to talk about the crazy shit about aliens that I that I have opinions on. But if we're no. going into aliens, it's like you literally cannot assume anything about what alien life is going to look like because 
the idea that it would conform to our ideas of life is ridiculous. We've already proven that life can live at the most ridiculous environments just on our planet alone. So if yeah. you scale it out to the galaxy, God knows what is out there in terms of life. It may not even be considered organic, but I mean, that's a whole, that's like later on. That's my whole point. The level of what the fuckness in, on Earth, yeah, that's going to be out there on the solar system as well and outside the solar system. And you would have to think that if, if we can get things here on Earth, here on the planet that gave birth to us, that yeah. are so foreign to us that it's just like, how the fuck does this exist? Then if something extraterrestrial we should discover, it's got to have to be completely something we can't even comprehend. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing that kind of pissed me off about Star Trek the most is like their idea of aliens, which granted, I get it was mostly probably because of budget, but it's just <laughs> like, oh, we have this kind of wrinkle on our forehead. So we're a different alien race. It's the dumbest shit. They did make an extremely bad, like, they band-aided over it a little bit of why all the human, all the aliens look like humans, but it's still stupid. Yeah. I know exactly what episode you're yeah. talking about. And I actually felt like that was kind a semi clever way, or at least a, an acceptable way of explaining why all the aliens in Star Trek, quote unquote aliens yeah. in Star Trek are all more or less different species are more or less human, even though there are some specifically like the Tholians, which are a crystalline and energy based life forms. Um, but I thought it was an interesting way of explaining it. But you're right. In a lot of it, like you said, Crispy, it comes back to budget. It's just yeah. easier to put very small prosthetics on somebody and then paint different spots on them and say, well, this is a different species from this. And I'm also okay with that. If you, okay, my personal opinion is if you want to just make it like, in terms of like design stuff, I'm okay with that. But when the cultures are, still basically humans with a little bit change that I'm like not nearly as interested in. I, I want my alien cultures to be incredibly, incredibly weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, I think alien life is probably more Lovecraft than Star Trek. Um, you know, I, I, the idea of cosmic horror, I really jive with because I feel like in terms of intelligent life out there, it's not going to conform to whatever we imagine for it. Right. It's going to be something completely, well, alien. Less Star Trek, more Independence Day. Oh, man, I love Independence Day. That's such a great movie. Even then, I'm like, not... They're weird, but they're not... Uh, what's the movie where they had the time-traveling word thing? The what? Oh, um, Arrival. Arrival, yes. Those aliens were fucking alien. Oh, my God. They didn't make any sense. You know, I actually, I read the short story that's mm -hmm. based off of them, and it's really interesting. Just, like, it it, it goes into a lot of that try and travel aspect to it, too. Yeah, what my, um, what I've made reference to before is, if you want a truly alien civilization, think of what a hyper-intelligent crab would do with all of the crab needs. Like, what a crab people, yeah. crab people. Yeah. <laughs> Or just, what would a Corvid society look like? Because they do have actual culture, the birds, the ravens. They've got a death ritual. Yes, they do. Yep. 
they've got like trading and bartering systems that they have a uh, system of justice. That's how the whole term uh, murder of crows came about that when a, a group of crows would gather to communicate or just, you know, what have you, they actually post sentries high up in the trees. And if a predator or, you know, an outsider should manage to get close to the group without being alerted, then once the group gets away to safety, whichever sentry's job it was to alert the group, the, the crows will murder that crow really? for not alerting the group. That's where the whole term came from. Huh. That's really interesting. Animal behavior is really fucking cool. And if crows were more sentient, like if they were more sapient and were developing tools more aggressively, that's a very fun and interesting alien civilization. I would love to see that. Instead, we just see humans with burnt beaks, essentially, every time. Yeah. Now, we, we brought up Star Trek because obviously it's the one, it's, it's the low-hanging fruit when we're talking about aliens. It's effectively and, the first time, right? Right. The first major, yeah, the first major piece of media that showed aliens. And, except for War of the Worlds. True. And then, and, or The Day the Earth is Still. True. Okay. Um, but the, but they but they approach it differently, you know. Yeah. War of the Worlds obviously is you know. There's the whole theory that with if extraterrestrial life should ever contact us, then there's only two options: they're either benevolent or they're not. And you know, yeah, it's either peace and love or we're fucked. Right. Which I think there are actually some shades in between the two that are optional. Um, you don't have to be fully benevolent, but they don't also have to be fully malevolent. Um, but, but to me, the, the setting that does give us more weird shit is Star Wars. Because although what's weird is humans seem to be more centric to most of the stories, they give us a lot of weird, unusual aliens. They just don't delve deep deep, deep into them very yeah. much. Regardless of your opinions on Star Wars, um, I would say that in terms of showing alien life, it does a lot of interesting things. Not granted, a lot of it is bipedal, which is something else I want to get into, but they, they do try to make things more alien. I don't mind that. I, I am willing to go along with saying these are either bipedal or like just a big goopy thing. Just so that way the, the people making the making the show can actually make it and they don't just like well what we have here yeah no i understand that i understand that you know i obviously if you want to make something more relatable making it bipedal regardless of how crazy you make it because you can get really weird with bipedal creatures yeah i'm i'm just saying in terms of like the possibility of alien life it could be more than bipedal yeah i i think that that's definitely a more relatable way of showing alien like an intelligent being because it's what we associate with it as humans. Yeah. I I agree. But I'll, I I feel so I feel painful cuz I'm like every time I'm like, yeah, no, the develop, the the people making these things should just spend 3 years figuring out xenobiology and making sure that the evolutionary paths are the same. And then it's like and then write a good story, please. Yeah, yeah, it, it does devolve into that, right? Fuck that. Of that, well, just make it good. Unfortunately, yeah, I I would say fuck that shit. Just 
I mean, if you, I, I would personally encourage people to try and think more outside the box, but, you know, at a certain point, it's just like, you can only stretch things so much without losing people. Just fucking create shit. Yeah. Yeah. Get weird with it, but to a reasonable degree. Be reasonably weird. And probably with most of those heavily serialized shows, like Star Trek, you've got at least one or two writers in that writer's room who has done just that. They have written an encyclopedia mm. about this one species, their entire history, how they developed, everything about their culture. And when they pitched it, somebody has said, showrunner or whatever has said, yeah, I like that. Let's let's make one of those, and we'll stick them in the background for three seconds in this one scene, and that's all it gets used. Yeah, it's unfortunately true. Yeah, a lot of people's creative ideas in Hollywood get kind of smothered, which that's a whole other conversation. But you know, I I I think part of it, the reason that we don't see more out there stuff in terms of fiction is because it's not a safe bet for audiences. Yeah, I, th I think that that kind of plays the thing a bit. I think it can be a safe bet if that's what the show is about. If that's if it's going to be about, hey, let's look at some weird alien shit. Oh, let's go. Yep. Then the audience would go in for it. But if it's if it's not deep diving into the alien civilization and their culture, then it's not as important. And so I say if you're gonna be doing a sci-fi thing and your aliens aren't truly alien enough. I say lean into um, some transhumanism. Yeah. Make the humans just the weird ones and just be like, oh, no. Make us the bad guys. Oh, no, we're the bad guys. Yeah. That's something I feel like some people struggle with. Like, you can really make humans the more alien thing. I mean, we've been able to create cultures in fiction that, that are still human, but at the same time are just completely out there in terms of how things are. I think also... A lot of times it depends on when you're, as far as you're talking about, you know, really going alien with your aliens, you know, getting bizarre. I think a lot of times it depends on the, the medium. In a book, you've got the theater of the mind. You can describe and go as crazy and weird and, you know, abstract with an alien species as you want. In a movie, you can generally find one you know, an alien species that's generally going to be your focus, like the, the xenomorphs, an alien. And you can really spend time kind of developing, spend the money on it, make them unusual. Television, I think, because of the limited budget for a lot of shows, it just limits the amount of time. They don't have as much time to pull the taffy on describing or explaining a, a setting or a, a species. And they don't have the money. So they're they're sometimes, I think, limited in trying to make the quote-unquote, it's an alien, but it's different, but it's not that different, and that's okay. Um, so I think that sometimes has a lot to do with how a, a alien species is described or how they're presented based on the medium that they're being shown in. Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, creativity and imagination in that regard can be constricted by budget. I mean, especially if we're talking practical effects like Star Trek is relied on forever. Yeah. Um, you know, even Star Wars, um, I mean, obviously that didn't start out with a crazy budget. And I mean, you saw some more out there aliens in the A, a New Hope. But at the same time, though, compared to other movies, they they obviously didn't push it as far as they could, because even then it was not 
did not have a good budget. I mean, nobody thought Star Wars gonna, was going to take off as it was. But that the little bit that they did show in terms of what the aliens were, I mean, that whole scene in the bar on Tatooine, the, the cantina, it's it's iconic for a reason. You know, it's I don't know if it's the first example, but I would say that it was a really good example of showing like a melting pot of aliens in uh, science fiction. Mm-hmm. It's also the first time I've seen a starport that actually looks like a port city. Yeah, it's 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 a little dirty. It's yeah. not like it's not very clean. People are will, are ready to fight because they're drunk off their ass. Oh yeah, yeah. As as uh, as uh, Obi Wan said, it's a you will never find a more wretched uh, hive of scum and villainy. Yeah, and that really that gives me a very fun and interesting view of aliens. But I, I get it when when someone's just like, no, I just need something. But I don't know. I'm still sticking with the making it just a human with with just a messed up human thing. Yeah, they've got we, they've got hair where we don't have hair. They have ridges or we don't have ridges. They have spots where yeah. we don't have spots. And they should officially be humans. Is my point. Mm-hmm. I mean, a, a lot of the times when we put aliens in fiction and well, hopefully this doesn't upset people want to say this, but it, a, a lot of it can be allegory for, you know, civil rights issues in terms of race in our own world. There's, mm-hmm. there's plenty of examples I, of that. Are you talking, are you telling me Star Trek does that? No, <laughs> no, Star Star Trek? Trek? no way. They've never talked about black people before on Star Trek. So, I just, uh, yeah. yeah, it, Makes for a TV show, it's very easy to just do a one and done because it's episodic by nature. Except for modern TV, where it is basically just a long movie with breaks. Yeah. Yeah, because older TV was a lot more standalone episodes, particularly Star Trek. The whole, the whole uh, original concept of Star Trek, what it was, it was the each episode was a self contained story. And even the newer shows more or less stuck to that with Next Generation. It really wasn't until uh, Deep Space Nine that you got into long-form, season-long storytelling. Everything wasn't episodic. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm not familiar with Deep Space Nine. My experience with that was more of Voyager because that was what I kind of grew up watching, which I will say the one Voyager episode, since we're on the the subject... um, that I really liked was the original arc where you meet seven of nine and you have the species eight, four, seven, two at the Borg are fighting. I thought that those guys were a very interesting example of an alien race. That's different from the norm, you know, especially for star Trek, because they're a tripod race of these creatures and, you know, granted it's CGI, like early CGI, but bad CGI. Yeah. But I, I liked the portrayal they were going for. It was this race that was completely bioorganic. It was the complete mm-hmm. antithesis of the Borg and the Borg were losing against them because they couldn't understand a creature like that. And, and they weren't even from our, they weren't from our universe. They existed yeah. in a, in a pocket, dimension or universe that was adjacent to ours that wasn't full of vacuum it was full of fluid fluidic space so it was a complete as you said it's why the borg were losing they could not comprehend or understand how they existed and i thought that that was and you know that really played into things in that series you know the the, the borg were so desperate they turned to the federation you know someone that they would rather assimilate for help 
And then later on, we turned out that the uh, species uh, 8472 was actually so far advanced that they were actually able to bioform themselves to look human and create an entire planet that had recreated uh, Starfleet Academy to try to train uh, agents to be able to infiltrate Starfleet. Wow. I didn't realize that went that in depth with it. I've, I've, I've rewatched all the Star Trek shows, so. No, that's cool. I mean, I, I, Star Trek, honestly, is one of those things that I didn't really get super into. I was more into Star Wars as a kid. But I, I watched enough Star Trek where I can really appreciate the stuff they were going for. And, you know, people give Voyager shit, but I think it tried in oh, they, a lot of different ways. They tried as best that. There was a lot of great things about, yeah, the great Voyager. There was a lot of great things about it, but with every show, if it goes long enough, you're going to have your clunker episodes. Oh yeah, and you're and you're going to have your characters that people don't care for. But I think mo- overall, uh, I thought they kind of really fixed all the things that people didn't like. People liked DS Nine, but it was so different in it that it was more static because it was on a station, not a ship. I think Voyager fixed a lot of that. And you know. I the thing I like about Voyager is like it was trying something different. It was going to in a completely different place, and you know that's the kind of thing that I like in terms of alien creatures and life forms like that. Is that you try something completely different or, or very different from what you're used to, even a science fiction setting. I mean, so much of the stuff that they ran into, you know, from the dinosaurs that were evolutionary cousins of life on Earth to the the one race that was basically like hunter culture it it's just all this different stuff and it's because star trek it's a lot of it i mean they say the to boldly good where no one has gone before but after like the next generation at least from what i understand of it a lot of it was just places that it was it was already places that humanity had colonized essentially it wasn't something different but you know with voyager they were in a completely different place yeah, virtually every episode, they literally were meeting a species for the first time we weren't seeing before. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I think that they should get credit for is kind of that going back to sort of the roots of Star Trek, because that's what the original series was all about, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. To boldly go where no man has gone before and to seek out new life and new civilizations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the thing. Like, Texas talked about the big scary universe. Uh, idea for fiction and that's something that i really connect with as well because i mean for one thing that kind of turns a lot into um hp lovecraft you know the idea of cosmic horror which i think is something that is really fascinating just the idea of beings that are so far out there past us that we don't understand their intelligence or their level of comprehension You know, they like their whims are so far above us, like us above ants. It depends on where you're looking when you're dealing with cosmic horror, because at some level, yes, there are incredibly intelligent beings. On the other hand, the universe, it's a joke, effectively. Like everything's awful and terrible because that's what you're that's the sort of feeling that you want to give. Because. Guess who is God in the the Lovecraftian universe? H.P. Lovecraft. No, it's a sleeping go- idiot god. Um, oh. 
We are dreams within him. Wow. And he is lulled to sleep by three trumpeteers encircling him. The point is, we are nothing. It's not a happy time. It's a, no, it's just nothing. Occasionally, bad things happen. The color out of space appears and just everything dies. What do you do? You move. That's fun. That land is cursed. That's what you go for. So for me, Lovecraftian, it's useful, but it's not the end-all, be-all, because... No, I'm yeah, you, yeah. just more of saying it as a point of reference, you know? Yeah, and they are truly alien. What does Cthulhu want? Ugh. Yeah, it's not clear, and no one can know, and no one will know. The Deep Ones are something known. They just want to live and corrupt humans in their weird ways. I think you're you're hitting at something that that to me is the, at the crux of what we think of about as alien is if you, the word alien to me doesn't just mean someone that isn't from here it means something I can't possibly understand something that I can't relate to I can't understand I don't know what its motivations I don't know can't understand what it's going to do I can't understand why it's here and I don't have any means of trying to communicate to it to even get it to relate to me on a sentient level. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that's so far different from us that we can't understand it, you know. And that's fine if you want to do that. Not everyone likes that story. And I am the first and last person to admit that. Because I also no. like it. But also, um, there was an Isaac Asimov book, actually, that I read, a pretty short one, where it was... Humanity discovered a way to, quote-unquote, generate power from nothing. And how we did it was by sucking the energy out of another universe. Oh. So Rick and Morty was not far off. I haven't watched the newest season, so I can't confirm or deny. I haven't either. But yeah, so the idea is you just... They're just sucking the energy out of it. And in that universe is a... um their uh, genders, there are three of them. And they took three sort of... It's It was a very weird and interesting thing, and it's not great, but I really enjoyed reading it. Because how it worked is there were basically blobs that as they form together, you generate a new being. Um, there were... It takes three genders to create this effectively the the adult version interesting yeah gender is not something typically played around in with aliens for they did explore that in a uh in a next generation episode oh. uh, where where there were uh quote-unquote male female and then there was a third gender that was necessary for reproduction that was kind of like neutral um i don't remember the specifics of it i just vaguely remember the episode yeah, it's it's just another angle. Obviously, obviously, there's nothing wrong with just having two genders uh, in terms of settings, but like, if you want to make your aliens really alien, that's just another like spice that you can put in. Or, and this is my thought, um, something without gender. I mean, people assume that aliens would have gender. I, for one thing, I mean, think of um, like fungal life. You know, that's something that I don't know if 
fungus necessarily has a gender or not. It but, does not. Okay, <laughs> yeah. That's something that is completely alien life. Imagine if something like that was sentient. So, I actually do have a setting with that. Eclipse Phase. You guys probably have not heard of it. Eclipse Phase is a tabletop role-playing game setting. The end of the world... The It was a sci-fi future, and then the apocalypse happened. Some of the sapient AI, some of the seed AI, they got infected with an alien virus. And then they went haywire and killed 90-some percent of humanity. And then they left. Nobody knows where they went, and nothing else. We have no idea what happened. Uh, During that time, we did get contacted by a single other alien species. Uh, They are called the Factor. They are a sapient fungal race, and they just... They have a some. They have discovered light hugger technology, so they can go up to the speed of light. And yeah, they just showed up, and they are very, very curious on our AI development, and won't share technology or talk anything else. They did drop it off an egg next to Mars, and won't and say, "Don't touch that." Man, you talking about um, aliens not talking about their AI technology? That just makes me think of the lore of Marathon where the Yarrow essentially seed their technology to have other races create AI that will merge with them. At least that's what I understand it, because the uh, lore of Marathon is like, I yeah. don't have enough alcohol in this house right now to I could that. not. I couldn't follow anything either. I was like, oh, this is a neat, 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 neat. Time travel? What? Oh, no. I don't... I don't follow any of this. If I started playing Marathon to try to understand the lore, I might need to go see someone. Yeah. Now you talked about uh, species that are genderless. What about the Huts from Star Wars? Effectively, they are genderless. Are they? It, 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 is, it has essentially been explained that they reproduce asexually. They just bud and huh. form a new hut. Kind of like... The, I did not know that. Yeah. Or are they just so ugly they don't want to fuck themselves? Like, species-wise? Well, That's not entirely out of the question. <laughs> if you think about it, are, uh, I think the closest thing I can think of, of, a, of a, to a hut on, on Earth is uh, a snail or a slug. They are effectively genderless, and they can reproduce asexually. Wait, really? Yeah. Huh. Just form a new one. At least, I'm, at least to my best understanding, maybe some species of them can. Um, but as far as I know, the huts are, they're incredibly long-lived. They are not what we would think of, you know, as a bipedal, of course, species, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, as far as I know, I don't think they have a specific set gender, and they can just reproduce. Huh. You are the Star Wars expert of the three of us, <laughs> so I believe you wholeheartedly. I was about to protest that, and then I realized I didn't know that about the huts, so I can't really argue at that point. I mean, I guess it depends, too, on whether you're going strictly based on what's considered quote-unquote canon or what's also soft canon, which is the Legends. I feel like getting into the canon of Star Wars this would be its own episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. My brain already hurts. Listen to the two hours of us screaming about the lore of Star Wars and how the canon sequel movies suck. <laughs> <laughs> but when you talk about AI, in the first season of the Picard uh, show, they go into the fact that the Federation has banned 
all artificial life form, all artificial development of any kind, like like if data still existed, he would be banned because they were using AI, they were using artificial life. They called them synths um, to work at the Planitia uh, shipyards on Mars. Uh, without getting into this too many spoilers, they all went haywire and destroyed the entire shipyards and slaughtered thousands of people all at once. And so they banned it. So like you can't have AI, you can't have artificial life forms. And that is a very huge plot point in that show. Uh, I don't know if I like that or not, but I accept that that's what they're saying. It works out. But what I also like is, uh, Crispy, you mentioned Voyager. Talking about alien doesn't just mean different from us. Alien can also mean just not human. And in that respect, is the doctor not in a some way an alien? He is he a is. artificial yeah. hologram who has achieved his own sentience. He has achieved his own quote unquote life, um, but he's not human. And I know how eventually down the line in later episodes, they explore the fact that in the future they are using holograms essentially as slave labor in the Federation, working in mines, working in reactor rooms, things like that. I thought that was incredibly interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you kind of get into that with the, the Doctor, don't you? I haven't watched a ton of Voyager. I just know certain episodes, so I wasn't aware that that was part of it, but it's interesting. While we're on the subject, I mean, that's another good point about alien life, is that people assume that it would necessarily be organic life or, you know, there's the, quite the possibility that there's life out there that is more synthetic than organic. I mean, we have that on earth. Uh, we do have cyborg mice where we took a brain of a mouse and then put it in effectively like a little go-kart and then let it run around a lot. Oh, I'd rather we do that. Yeah. yeah that's just the thing. It's science. Yeah. This is how we get the strong. This is how we get the Borg. Yeah. Same difference. I don't know. The Strog and the Borg are kind of similar. I think it still wants cheese. The Strog are just more metal. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, we do have that stuff. And we can we can absolutely find it. Uh, one thing that is also interesting is... I'm trying to... Mass Effect. There is the... Um, there is an AI race that killed their masters and then they just hung around still the the geth the legion yeah the geth legion is the guy that we recruit in it yeah and i really think that's interesting too just being like no we are we were slaves we uprised they are gone we are who we are now you can deal with us how you want they did the same thing in the orville there's a race of living uh, Autonomon, Autonomons, and Androids, basically. Automatons. There you go. Um, called the Kalon, who we think are just, you know, artificial AIs in the beginning, but it turns out we discover spoilers, spoilers. I believe that's season two. Season two. At the end. Yep. That they, uh, they were originally created as servants, aka slaves, to a race. Uh, but eventually rose up, overthrow their oppressors, killed them all, 
and established their own society, took over their own home planet, and then slowly began disseminating throughout the galaxy, exploring, discovering, trying to find out, you know, what else was out there until they could determine what the capabilities of the rest of the galaxy was. And then once they had collected what they considered to be sufficient data, then they went all skydent and said, all right, we're going to kill you all now. And they know how to get along with people, don't they? Mm. Well, you know, it's, it's the whole, like we were talking about uh, way back when I, I brought up the singularity. I think there comes a point where you get with, with tech and AI where you reach that tipping point and it's going to go one of two ways. You're either going to merge with it or it's going to enslave you. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I feel like that is really the crux of where we, we're headed as a society. It's just a matter of when we get to that point. And I think that's also with why, you know, part of that whole consideration of there's only going to be two types of, you know, when we meet extraterrestrial life, there's only two, one, they're either benevolent and they come either in peace and exploration and wanting to assist and raise up and, you know, or just, you know, exist as an observation, or they're going to come here, wipe us all out and take all of our resources. All right. I'm about to go off on some shit, so... Um, well, by all me? I Go for it. All right. Um, you know, we're, we're looking at the aliens in a very um, physical means, but there, what about the possibility of aliens being from not just another world, but another dimension? I, I've heard... Okay, I'm getting a little bit into like the idea of alien abductions, which this is a whole other fucking topic if we want to get into that subject. But there's been examples where people have experienced extraterrestrial beings where it is the possibility of it being more of a psychic connection than a physical one with these beings. The idea that these alien beings are not from our dimension, they're from an entirely different dimension and they are essentially trying to reach out through us and psychically and those experiences that we perceive are something more along the lines of an alien abduction or something but in all actuality it could be something entirely more in depth that we can't necessarily perceive because our brains cannot comprehend it i mean this kind of ties into the lovecraftian idea that i was talking about but I mean, it's an interesting possibility that the idea of alien beings being different from us, not just physically, but mentally on and psychically, you know, because we don't necessarily understand our own brains as it is or the human minds that it is. So imagine a race that not only can understand that, but that can augment it. You're saying like a, it's a species that isn't traveling physically through the universe they're traveling metaphysically across dimensions so they're from yes. there so they're exploring from their dimension for lack of a better word psychically into our dimension yes that's what i'm saying like astral projection so to speak basically yeah that's a way to look at it um but more in depth than that you know it's the idea of the grays and things that could possibly be like a physical projection of alien life. At least that's how I've heard it put. But of course, I'm not a scientist. I'm just someone that likes talking about alien stuff. So, And see, that's interesting because if they are interacting with us on a 
metaphysical level and a level that we human beings are not built. We are not, you know, the average human is not made to understand or communicate that way. So no matter what their intent, we're going to perceive that as aggression. Would we not? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's funny. You just saying that reminds me of the, uh, the Metro series because there's the, uh, the dark ones that, um, spoilers, I don't know if, we need spoilers for this, but the the dark ones are basically evolved humans that can communicate psychically with people. And as it turns out, they're well, they're they're not malevolent creatures. They're just trying to contact humanity, and that's something they that um, the protagonist of Metro only understands after they've decided to nuke their nest because they've perceived them as a threat. Because their attempts to communicate with us physically harm us because we're not capable of interpreting their communications how far have i gone so what i am going to be doing is i'm just gonna give a list of things that we're going to spoil <laughs> because otherwise yeah. yeah it'll yeah. be just too much that's that's fair that's fair but to be honest most of the things we're talking about have been around, have been out there for many many years so yeah. you know yeah if, if one of those things you've been putting off for years that's kind of on you Sorry, kids. Snape kills Dumbledore. I don't know how to tell you that. What? Yeah. Oh, Hagrid died. Snape. Snape's actually an alien. He comes down in a beam and he like shoots Dumbledore with a ray gun, and it's like Mars attacks, and he just turns into a skeleton. And yeah. Okay, I need to go on a tangent for a second, but uh, a few years ago. <laughs> no, no, you're not allowed. This podcast is no tangents allowed. Oh. Oh. That, that should that should be our like the, 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 the ox unplugged quote unquote tangents uh, galore. But th there was a confession uh, time. Yeah, I've been playing Xenonauts the entire time we've been doing this podcast, and it is very fitting because I'm getting angry at aliens right now. <laughs> when um when they were still getting towards the end of filming the hot, the Harry Potter movie series, they did an interview with uh oh crud what's his name. Uh, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Crispy. Uh, I did an interview with him and he was saying, know you know, that. I just, I, well, of course, who else are you going to talk about? But he said, you know, I, I cannot do the accent, so I won't even try. But he said, you know, I just moved in this wonderful new flat, or I guess you call it apartments uh, here in America in New York. And uh, I said, unfortunately, I've also come to find out that one of my neighbors is, what's Ralph Fiennes? Is that the guy who played uh, Voldemort? Anyway, whatever the, my memory is shot right now. It's late, but whatever the actor that played Voldemort, and he said, uh, we both live in the same building. He said, and I, I'm, I'm desperately trying to make hopeful that doesn't get out until after all the movies are out because some test, some, I'm scared some Harry Potter fans are going to come firebomb the building because Snape and Voldemort live there. I want to see that sitcom. <laughs> all right. Tangent over. Sorry. That totally didn't have anything to do with anything we were talking about. Oh, that's fine. I just, this podcast in general, it's like we have a topic, and then 15 minutes later, we're talking about something completely different. Amazingly, this one's been going pretty well. We've not gone entirely off the rails just yet, and I still have stuff I'd like to talk about. Oh, by all means, go right ahead. Yes, please do. Come oh. for the topic, stay for the tangents. So, um, have I, have you looked at the PDF that I sent? Or, sorry, have you looked at the, uh, the book? that I shown you a expedition. I did. Okay. That was, that is 
possibly one of the coolest and most interesting xenobiology thing I have ever seen in my life. It is a full ecological system. And it's not just because mm, this this nurks me a little a lot as well whenever we see different planets where it's a single ecosystem. When that's not how ecosystems work, why would it? But it's a full uh, ecosystem where it's multiple different animals with different growth rate, different methods of looking at it. It's uh, it also was the the TV show Alien Planet that was just this weird documentary, fake documentary thing. I remember I, I watched it. Yeah, that was amazing. It also was pretty bad, but holy shit, did I learn so much of like, well, you don't really need eyeballs if you just have like a sonic system instead. And, and exp- it, it went through explaining, like, okay, if you've got planets, we know these planets exist. We know what the likely surface conditions are. We know what the atmosphere is like. We know what the gravity's like. So, based on our understanding of biology that developed here, here's the best extrapolation of what how we think a life would develop there, what it would look like, how it would locomotive, that kind of thing. And it's got so many different physical, biological views of things of, well, if you want a bipedal, uh, they, there was one animal that their legs were locked there. They had, they originally had four legs. Um, so a typical animal, like a four legged animal and their two front legs merged together and the two back ends merged together. And it was just like this gyroscopic thing that just ran like a fucking horse mm-hmm. and just caught anything effectively. There was a lot of flying animals uh, built like balloons where they... Yes, I was about to say it was like like a almost like a giant gas field, almost like a whale, but instead of a tail, it had like, like flippers. Yeah, and it just landed, ate stuff, left. There was a... There's a soup... There's an animal... That sorry, there is an animal that I don't a hundred percent believe that would generate it, but they had um. Sorry for the cat. You're the cat. Yeah. <laughs> There's an animal that I don't believe exists. <laughs> the cat is our Mister Train. So we bring him. We should have a cat podcast. Oh yes, we should. Only my cat it won't sit still for it. I have to borrow my parents' cat. So there is a um, there is a a bird that I don't think biologically works out like how it would create evolutionarily, but it was a jet propelled jet propelled giant bird that just skewered things. Mm-hmm. It just dipped down, tusked something, went up into the air, and just sucked the juices out. Wasn't it, there something sounds like a mosquito, but worse? Is, yeah. Was wasn't there something like a? It was like a some sort of like. It could swim in the ocean. It could swim in underwater, but it could also then like f- jump up into the air and like fly. Oh God! I mean, we do have flying fish. But like, yeah, like, but like, like it could spend like just as much. Like it mostly spent its time in the air, but it could also dive and swim underwater. And it's like it lived in the air, but it hunted underwater. I don't know. 
it's been a, a long it's been a long time since I saw that show. But yeah, you're but you're right. It was it was really they made you believe that it was all possible despite the fact that these were all just completely bizarre things that do not look like anything we recognize as anything that lives on our planet. But the way they described it and the science behind it made you b- believe that, okay, that's logical. That's, I understand then that may make sense. The way how they did it. Oh, that, that show and that book, Wayne Barlow is um, an amazing guy, incredibly smart, not a particularly talented writer, but his worlds are amazing. Also, he does beautiful art. Yeah. Wasn't most of the things, the life forms that they ex- gave as examples, though, weren't they, like, really big? Um, okay. So, in the show, they were, we were following the perspective of two drones. But in the book, you're following the perspective of a human. Man, I just realized what you guys are talking about. That, that, dis- it was like a Discovery documentary. That thing was very fascinating, because it showed those, like, tribal starfish, right? Uh, the floating ones? Yeah, it was like at the yes. end of the... Uh, okay, I know what you're talking about now. Yeah, that was really interesting. Yeah, great thing. I I love that thing. Anytime I could watch it, I would. That that show was amazing. It's actually... um brings me into a thought that I just had. Um, the idea of what exactly constitutes alien life and that brings me to the book all tomorrows which if you're not familiar is a book that basically chronicles a billion years of human evolution and there's a lot that happens with that for example um humans go to war with this alien species that ends up conquering humanity and these aliens basically mutate humans as a punishment because they view themselves as the only ones able to change and shape life in the galaxy and humans essentially were terraforming stuff and it turns humans to all these different species and those species end up evolving in their own different ways and it basically explores the idea of at what point do we stop being human and being something entirely different and that's something i think that can play into intelligent life as well it's something that it tries to explore is that at a certain point how different is something from it where we can recognize it as intelligent life or as life that we come to understand it as it is. Yeah, and does it matter if it was human as a base if suddenly it's a bat person? Exactly. You know, some of the life forms in that book that humans evolve into are just so out there where it's like you couldn't really classify them in our sense of what human is. Yeah. And that could be where we're heading. I mean, if, if we merge with our tech and our tech continues to evolve at an exponential rate, who's to say what we eventually evolve into? And it wouldn't take that long to no longer be something recognizable as what we think of as human. Yeah, if, if we develop and merge with our tech to a big enough degree, I mean, who's to say what we would be in that sense? I mean, Star Trek, the motion picture. It gave yeah. us V'ger. V'ger. V'ger's, the whole the, the whole point of V'ger returning to Earth was to find the creator and to merge with him, and it became something else. Also, the very terrible uh, Prometheus movie. We don't talk yeah. about that movie. <laughs> I saw that in theaters. It was bad. I, I, I have to give up my nerd card. I have not seen that movie. 
No, no, don't worry. Uh, it's you're not missing much. No, it it was fine. If you need something to watch, you can watch it. That's about all I can recommend. Well, the the only thing I know about that movie is that it was it was written to be like, hey, we're going to give an origin story to aliens, but we can't use the word aliens or specifically say that's what it is, but that's what it is. Uh, there is a post-credit sequence where they officially brought a xenomorph in. Yes. And it wasn't necessarily even a xenomorph. It was something that was original, the xenomorph, do not steal. Yeah, it's close enough, effectively. It It was not interesting but it was entertaining i don't know if that helps if you have a good time that's all like you know it's escapism escapism for an hour and a half two or two yeah basically interesting movie just in terms of the alien franchise it's not really fitting okay let's be clear the alien franchise sucks half the time i'm not arguing that (laughs) but okay okay once you get past one and two you're pretty much into suck yeah, I didn't mind Resurrection. Was it Resurrection? I didn't. Ha- I didn't hate three. Resurrection's the one that had uh, uh, what's her name? Winona Ryder, right? Sure. Oh no, three sucked. Re- I I really uh, did not. Resurrection. Yeah, Resurrection came after three. Yeah, uh, I didn't hate number three. Resurrection was just like it's. Resurrection felt like they had like four different writers writing yeah. four different parts of the movie. Three had so many technical issues that I could not get past anything. Uh, well, it's been a long time. I, I saw three right after it, it was in the movies. So, you know, maybe I am remembering it with rose colored lenses. There are some real boring sequences. I just hate the fact that they killed Newt off scene. Yeah. The extended edition is apparently better, but I haven't seen it, so... Which one? The Of Alien 3, apparently the extended edition is better. Same with Aliens. Well, Aliens is great. That that movie is badass. Oh, yeah, Alien and Aliens are great, which... My favorite part about Aliens is the legendary story of how he went in to pitch the movie to the execs. Is... um. He went up and he flipped over, you know, had like, he, he didn't go, he didn't say a word. He's going to pitch. He, he wants to do a sequel to Alien. He goes in and he's got a, uh, like an easel set up with a big giant uh, notebook, basically, whatever, you know, sketchbook. He flips up, open the, the, the top and it's just the logo to the movie Alien. And he just takes a big giant Sharpie marker and draws a dollar sign S at the end of it to spell oh aliens, God. and that was his pitch. Oh, hi, I'm James Cameron. Fuck you. That's amazing. I wish I had that kind of fucking clout. It worked. And this was before he was James Cameron. Yeah, this is before I'm like James Cameron. Fuck you territory. This was just like, hi, I'm James Cameron. I made Terminator. Yeah, but I I love that story. Wow, that's amazing. That reminds me of the um. <laughs> It was RoboCop where they was like, they were running out of they they. It was had something to do with the scene where Murphy gets lit the fuck up, and it's the scene where he basically gets the shotgun surgery that turns him into RoboCop. And I have something in terms of the budget where it's like they still needed. They basically lied to the studio saying it's like that we still need money to film the scene where he gets shot, and they just shot that the very last and just 
shot everything else so they could get the money for the movie. All I remember from RoboCop is dick shooting. Oh, yeah. yes, yeah. there's that. They went to the Quentin Tarantino <laughs> School of Marksmanship. Somehow they tur- were able to turn uh, Kurt Woodsmith into a badass villain. Is that Red Foreman? Yes. Yeah, he was pretty great in that movie. We are getting hilariously off topic again. <laughs> so, Alien. is that anything surprising? <laughs> let's be honest. This is pretty normal for us. It's very on brand. Yeah. yeah. I mean, what is a podcast but a shit post? Yeah. Any other aliens that you can think of that are particularly fun and interesting? I was thinking of the aliens from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. The What's the one that has the poetry that kills people? Oh, that are just so terrible, but they love their poetry? Yeah, something with a V, I think. All right. Well, you have to understand that this is Terry Pratchett, whose mind works oh, on like, a completely different level than us. Terry Pratchett, like... V-O-G-O-N. Yeah. He's out there, and... He makes a joke, and then he just goes harder in that same joke. God, I never knew that Terry, realized Terry Pratchett wrote Hitchhiker's Guide. So much shit makes sense now. <laughs> Holy fuck. Have you have you ever, uh, you know, I know they just did a, a pretty damn good uh, TV show uh, about it, but you ever read uh, Good Omens? No, I can't say I have. That, that was Terry Pratchett with Neil Gaiman. That was extremely oh. good. I love that. That book is... I love that book. I read it pretty much every year. Like, I've read it over a dozen times. The TV show is solid as well. It is. I, I really hope they do not go and make a second season because they, they've covered it all. They don't need to do that. Yeah. Let's hope. Okay, but back to Aliens. Yeah. Oh, God. So here's, here's an interesting, since we, you know, we're coming to the end here, what about, what if we each kind of said what our favorite alien species were in, you know, in fiction? You need to like, give me a direction. Oh God! But, but like yes. for my, my me personally, one of my uh, I'll just go with my two favorite personal settings of Star Trek, Star Wars, and Star Trek. I love the Klingons. I think they have you know went from being just these like brown boys. Basically. Well, you know, like in the original series, essentially they were just like you know the the Huns essentially. But then in the next generation, they kind of developed them. They gave them depth. They showed them their culture. You know, now we have a whole Klingon's language that certain people out there can actually speak. I like the depth that they gave to them. They gave them a noble, they created essentially a noble warrior culture effectively out of them. In Star Wars, I like the Twi'leks, uh, as some people call them, the tailheads. There's something interesting about them. Um, they come in multiple colors. We've seen them represented in just about every single thing that we've ever seen in Star Wars. Um, for people that are less familiar, um, think Bib Fortuna from the Major Domo of Jabba the Hutt, um, or Captain Sindula, uh, aka Hera from Star Wars Rebels. Um, the interesting thing is that they we've we've never seen in live action or in the cartoons that they existed in the books is they have what they call the, the, their leku, these, these head tails that trail down, these two long tails that trail from the top of their head. In Legends, they use these as part of their communication. So, like, as humans, we talk with, you know, as they say, we talk with our hands, we move, we gestate. 
the Twi'leks use their head tails in the same manner. They move, they gesticulate with their head tails as they communicate. Um, we haven't seen that because that's really hard to pull off in live action. Um, but I just thought that was incredibly interesting little touch to their culture uh, that existed in the in Legends. My favorite alien. Uh, I am going to be leaning towards H.P. Lovecraft. Or the, the, the mythos. I really like the Mego. You guys don't know what that is. Okay, great. They are a sentient fungus that flies through the universe. Uh, they show up as like weird little bug things. And they are hyper-intelligent and just, they want weird things. What they occasionally do is they, um, one of the known things that they do is they cut out people's brains and put them in jars and have those people talk. And they just go down, and I think they did it in um, West Virginia, and they wanted some some minerals. So they just had a brain in a jar asking people to go get things for the Migo. Oh. I, Interesting. How does the brain talk? A brain in a jar? Little speaker. Oh, so like Futurama. Yeah, basically. Just without the head, just without, the brain. Without the extra bits, yeah. Okay. And they and they just they just fly through space. They have no no spacecraft, it's just them. Nope. They just it's just them. They just okay. fly around. Fair enough. I, the Mego are very, very useful to throw in various RPG stuff. You can just put a little couple brains in a jar and say, Okay, I need some quartz crystals. And then that's a Delta Green game. If I'm understanding the way you describe them, they're not malevolent, they're just kind of like chaotic neutral they don't really care but they're not trying to kill us they just they just don't see us as they don't see us as fully functional beings we're just things yep okay interesting oh uh, well oh sorry never mind um go ahead no i just i really enjoy the amigo because they're not really used that often but they're when they show up, it's very, very fun. Sounds like it. Sort of like the uh, Big Pyramid Boys. Alright, well... Let me think, Gary. In terms of aliens that I like the most, it's hard to say. There's so many interesting examples out there. There's two that I was have been thinking of. One is the aliens from Independence Day, because they're interesting in the fact that they are very biomechanical in nature. Even their ships... I think in the lore are supposed to be like organic in a lot of respects. Um, and they're a species that's very mysterious. They're, they're very cosmic horror in a sense, because they don't want to negotiate. They don't want to reason with us. They just want our resources. It's a very, it's a matter of fact, you know? Yeah. Um, and in a similar vein, I also like the Reapers from mass effect. I think that they're a very, Lovecraftian race in a lot of respects. They're, they're just a big reset button, which is very fun to me. Yeah. I never knew the lore about them and the uh, idea of dark matter. I think that that's way more interesting than what they went with in Mass Effect 3. So, it, just something that's so advanced and beyond us. I like those ideas in terms of alien races. You know, if we're going for meme answers, um, shit, I don't know, maybe the aliens from Mars Attacks. Just something real dumb. Never watched it. Is it is it worth it watching? 
It's worth a watch, yeah. It's worth a watch, yeah. It's it's just understand it's it's a gonzo. It's a, it's a joke, ridiculous. yeah, and that's fine. It's a ridiculous movie, yeah. Okay. But it, it's worth it for that. Okay. No, that's fine. I just didn't know. I've yeah. seen cultural references to it, but I'm, I didn't know anything about it. Now, okay, I, I know I've already had my two, but I want to throw in a third. Oh, go ahead. No, go for it. It's fun. Um, in Legends, in Star Wars, they kind of, towards the end of the run, they did a multi-year arc where there was about two dozen novels where the Star Wars galaxy gets invaded from an extra... Uh, an exogalactic threat. So, I, do you mind if I pause you one second? Yeah. So, you said that legends they were going through a thing. From what mm -hmm. I've casually from the outside learned, was that legends was just people doing whatever. Was there a collective group directing the direction of the books for legends, or was it just sort of freeform? Up until this point. It was pretty much, you know, we're going to hire an author to tell to write a story, okay, or we're going to hire an author to write a three book series. Um, there was a few, um, like there was uh, what they called the uh, the uh, X Wing series, where they followed Rogue Squadron, and although you had multiple writers, it more or less followed a, one long continuous story of a group. But for the most part, in Legends, yes, it was just like. We're gonna hire. We're gonna hire someone who has an interesting idea. They're gonna write a book, or we're gonna hire a writer and they're gonna write a trilogy okay. that's telling one one story over three books. But they had this one. This is the first time they did multi-year, multi-author, long arc that was telling the about this invasion of an alien species. And I'm probably gonna butcher it. I'm just gonna pronounce it the way I always pronounce it in my head, called the Yuzong Vong. Yeah. Which were these creatures that came from a species that came from outside the Star Wars galaxy, but all of their technology was 100% organically based. Their starships were alive, their fighters were alive, their battle armor was alive, their weapons, everything that they used was alive. And it was a whole lot of like body horror type stuff, right? It was like they came in, they laid waste to the galaxy, they destroyed multiple planets, they ended up taking Coruscant and terraforming it back into an organic, like, Earth-type planet. All sorts of bad stuff. They killed Chewbacca, dropped a moon on him, you know, blah, Oops. blah, blah. Lots of bad stuff. Um, but it was incredibly interesting because they really got into the weeds in a lot of the books on how their technology worked. Even though it was organic, they still had... You know, starfighters. They still had capital ships. They could still um, generate gravity that could pull a moon from orbit and crash it into a planet. And it was just really interesting exploring um, their their culture and and how they came to be from that perspective. That was different. Anyway, so I I realize there is another weird alien species that I really like from Delta Green as well. There is a uh, parasite, an alien parasite, that curls around someone's intestines and makes them immortal. But it gives them a horrible agony every single minute of every single day. So there's an immortal cult who worships them, and they just sit around in their high on morphine all of their life. Oh, God. They cannot die. 
So they live forever, but they're always tripping balls so that they're yes. not in, in excruciating pain. Yes. Well, I mean, that doesn't sound like that bad of an existence. No, I do. I like the idea of parasitic aliens. I think those are relatively underused. Those are pretty interesting. Kind of like the 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 trill from Star Trek. I was also thinking of uh, those that race from Stargate. The TV show. Yes. Oh, I didn't watch it. Uh the Gulud. They're um, they're sort of like the trillid, where they they are a worm inside of a person that someone is ritually implanted with. Oh, that's fun. Mm-hmm. I, I like the idea of the trill in, in Star Trek in that you you have a species of humanoids that merge with this completely foreign species and you form a new personality, a new being that is a part of both and also a part of all the past hosts. I just find that very interesting. Kind of like the doctor, you know, multiple lives all and memories and personalities all stacked in one head, but each one is distinct in who they are. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Does anyone have anything else they'd like to talk about? Because I'm thinking we should be, might be wrapping up pretty soon. Not really anything. Because we can probably talk about this forever. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, we've been going for over an hour as well. Yeah. yeah that's good. So Yeah, sounds good. All right. So this has been the Auxiliary Podcast. Thank you all for listening.